Oh, Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your patience. Thank you for your providence, your loving kindness, your purity, your holiness, your perfection, your provision of atonement, your repentance and salvation in and through your only Son, Christ Jesus. We ask for your blessing on this study this morning and conversation, and please soften our hearts and sharpen our minds. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So this morning's equipping our lesson is from the college or seminary book called Grasping God's Word. And this is the book that the small book that our class has been going through, uh, Journey into God's Word, is based off of. The lesson title is The Role of the Holy Spirit in Interpretation. The Role of the Holy Spirit in Interpretation. Now, there is a handout on the handout table in the back, which has an outline. And it would be good to have, especially since I'm going to be asking you questions at the end of this lesson. So some of those uh, answers will be on that handout. Have you ever played a musical instrument? The piano, the trumpet, the guitar? Learning to play an instrument entails taking time to master the basics, a tedious process. You learn where the notes are and how to play them correctly. You repeat the same exercises over and over and over until you get them right. You will never outgrow the basics. But there is more to playing the piano than to reading notes, finding the correct hand position, and playing scales. You will eventually think less about mechanics and begin to experience the wonder and beauty of the musical piece. When we talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting the Bible, we move beyond mere mechanics to the, to the dynamic nature of a relationship. God gave us his word to communicate with us, and he gives us his spirit to help us understand what he has said and is saying. The purpose of grasping God's word and journeying into God's word is to teach you how to discover the meaning of the biblical text and apply that meaning to your life. We spend a lot of time talking about methods, steps, procedures, and the like. We encourage you to analyze words, sentences, paragraphs, and discourses. We emphasize thinking and digging and searching. 
Some of you may be asking yourself, is this all there is to Bible study? Is my relationship to the Bible being reduced to a set of interpretive steps? Jesus tells his disciples in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 13, that the Holy Spirit will, quote, guide you into all the truth, end quote, if we have the Spirit. Now, you may ask, why do we need to worry about proper procedures? In other words, what role does the Holy Spirit play in biblical interpretation? That is what this morning's lesson is all about. The Spirit as the divine author. The Spirit as the divine author. In the previous chapter, we noted that when we speak about the author of the Bible, we are speaking about both the human author and the divine author. The term inspiration refers to the Holy Spirit's work in the lives of the human authors of Scripture with the result that they wrote what God wanted to communicate, which is why we call it the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul says that, quote, all Scripture is God-breathed, sometimes translated inspired, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, end quote. The Spirit of God has breathed the character of God into the Word of God. The Greek word for inspired is theopneustos, theopneustos. The P is not silent. And it's related to the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, where the P is silent. The Bible has the power and authority to shape our lives because it comes from God himself. We hold to the authority of scriptures, of the scriptures because they are inspired, they are God-breathed. Paul's statement in 2 Timothy also reminds us that the Spirit and the Scriptures go together. The Word of God originated from the Spirit of God. The Spirit's work of inspiration is finished. But His work of bringing believers to understand and receive the truth of Scripture continues. Theologians use the term illumination, illumination, to refer to this ongoing work of the Spirit. And by the way, illumination is the word today. It is the word, the overarching word for this entire lesson. Illumination. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus promised his followers that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. He said, quote, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. End quote. That was from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 12 through 14. So notice how Jesus stresses that the work of the Spirit is directly related to his own teachings. Again, the Word of God. Because of the work, because of the Spirit's work of inspiration and illumination, we know that the Spirit and the Word work together and must never be set one against another. Since the Spirit inspired Scripture in the first place, we should not expect Him to contradict Himself when He illuminates it. This means, for example, that we should not allow personal experience, religious tradition, or community consensus to stand above the Spirit-inspired Word of God. The Spirit does not add new meaning to the biblical text. Instead, he helps believers understand and apply the meaning that is already there. In this regard, Kevin Van Hooser writes that the, quote, Spirit may blow where but not what he wills, end quote. Van Hooser goes on to describe the Spirit as the Word's empowering presence. This, descriptive, this description is helpful because it reminds us that the Spirit's role is not to author a new Bible. It's not to reveal new meaning through personal experience or community tradition but it is to bring home to us the meaning of the scripture that he has already authored. Can we grasp God's word apart from the spirit? Can we grasp God's word apart from the spirit? Looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in biblical interpretation raises the question of whether people without the spirit can grasp God's word. We will answer this important question in three different ways. The first way is yes. If unbelievers use valid interpretive methods, they are able to comprehend much of the Bible in the sense of words, the rules of grammar, and the logic of the passage. People who are able to read literature effectively will certainly be able to detect a contrast or a command or a figure of speech in the Bible when they see one. The Bible does not insist that an unbeliever is incapable of understanding any of its basic grammatical or historical context. At the level of cognitive understanding, the spirit appears to play a minimal role. We would also answer yes, but only to a degree. Going a step further, can persons without the Spirit understand the meaning of a biblical passage 
Here we answer yes, but only to a degree. We would say that their understanding is limited only to a degree for at least three reasons. First, sin has had an effect on the whole person, including the human mind. We are not suggesting that sin prevents us from recognizing prepositional phrases or locating literary themes. We do, however, believe that sin has dulled our ability to discern or perceive scriptural truth. Second, an unbeliever's ability to understand the meaning of the biblical text is limited by the effects of the unbelieving pre-understanding that he or she brings to the text. As Van Hooser observes, pretext baggage has the power to distort the way people understand the scriptures. He says, quote, we should recall how common it is for readers to let their prejudices or ideologies distort their reading. Distortion is a real possibility whenever readers are faced with texts that require behavioral change. Not to mention the death of the old self and the end of self-love. Interpretation never takes place in a cognitively and spiritually clean environment." End quote. Since the Spirit plays a crucial role in helping Christian interpreters deal with the baggage of their pre-understanding, a person who does not have the Spirit will encounter an even greater degree of distortion. Third, we say that a person without the Spirit can understand the meaning of a biblical passage only to a degree because Understanding involves more than just taking in information with your mind. Understanding the meaning of a biblical passage involves the whole person, the mind, the emotions, the body, and so on. Unbelievers, by definition, do not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So the third answer is no. Will people without the Spirit accept the truth of the Bible, and apply it to their lives. The Bible itself says no. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says that, quote, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness or folly, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit, end quote. So Paul does not mean that a person without the Spirit will have no intellectual comprehension of what the Bible is saying. Rather, he means that an unbeliever will understand its basic message, but reject it. When Paul goes on to say that a person without the Spirit cannot understand the things of God, he is referring to a personal, experiential kind of understanding. People without the Spirit do not know the things of God because they have never experienced them. Without the Spirit, although people may understand some of what the Bible's meaning is, they, may, they will not be persuaded of its truth and will not live it out. 
They may grasp the meaning of the biblical text, but they refuse to allow the text to grasp them. We cannot apply the Word of God without the help of the Holy Spirit of God. So can we grasp God's Word apart from the Holy Spirit? Perhaps now you can see why we have three different answers to this important question. When it comes to biblical interpretation, the Spirit appears to work little in the cognitive dimension, more in the area of discerning truth, and most in the area of application. Since many of you do have the Spirit of God living in you, let's turn our attention to the role the Spirit plays in your life as you interpret the Bible. The Spirit and the Christian interpreter. The Spirit and the Christian interpreter. As a believer, what can you expect the Spirit to do for you or enable you to do when it comes to interpreting the Bible? What should you not expect the Spirit to do for you? In the following observations about the role of the Spirit, we'll talk in terms of what the Spirit does and does not do. Please know up front that we are not trying to tell God what He can or cannot do. We are simply describing a few of the main ways the Spirit seems to work in relationship to the Scriptures. The Spirit does not. When it comes to interpreting Scripture, having the indwelling Holy Spirit does not automatically mean that you will have a valid or correct interpretation. At first, this observation may sound irreverent, but that is not our intention. Perhaps an illustration will help. When children learn to walk, they usually want their parents involved in the experience. Usually, the parents will sit a few feet apart facing each other, and one parent will point the wobbly child in the direction of the outstretched arms of the other parent. After playing catch with the child for a few days, the child finally gets the hang of it and begins to walk on his or her own. For the sake of the illustration, what if the child thought, since my parents are here, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to move one foot in front of the other or stumble backward or fall down. I can stop trying to walk. With mom and dad close by, walking will come automatically. Although this illustration borders on the absurd, many people reason just like this child when it comes to the spirit's role in biblical interpretation. Saying as it were, because I am a Christian and have the spirit of God living in me, I don't have to do anything when it comes to interpreting the Bible. It will happen automatically. It simply doesn't work that way. Having the Holy Spirit in your life does not mean that the Spirit will do all the interpreting for you. The Spirit works through a careful 
exegesis of the text. The Spirit does expect us to use our minds, use proper interpretive methods, and good study helps to interpret the Bible accurately. Roy Zuck points out a helpful parallel between the process, process of inspiration and the process of interpretation when he says, quote, in the inspiration of the Bible, the Holy Spirit was working, but so were the human authors. In a similar way, in the interpretation of the Bible, human work is involved, end quote. So God gave us minds, and he expects us to use them, especially when it comes to Bible study. He wants us to think clearly and reason soundly. He wants us to study the scriptures diligently and faithfully. Since God created us to think, study is spiritual in line with the Spirit's will. We can also learn much from other believers by making good use of study help such as Bible dictionaries and commentaries. As our heavenly helper, the Spirit wants to hold our hand and guide us as we learn to walk, but he will not walk for us. The Spirit does not create new meaning or provide new information. The canon of Scripture is closed. This means that we should not expect the Spirit to add another book to the Bible or anything new to the 66 books we have. The Spirit does not provide new revelation on par with Scripture, but He does give a deeper understanding of the truth that is already there. Similarly, we should not expect the Spirit to whisper in our ears new insights that have been kept hidden from other believing interpreters for centuries. We can rely on the Spirit to help us grasp the meaning of God's Word. The Spirit and the Word work together. The Spirit enables us to grasp the meaning of the Scriptures at a deeper level. Certainly this includes the ability to apply the meaning of the Bible, but it also includes the ability to discern the theology of a passage, what we refer to as theological principles. The Spirit gives us ears to hear what God is saying to us in His Word. This insight from the Spirit may come after hours of study and reflection, which is normally the case, or it may come suddenly. Either way, the insight comes not as new revelation, but as fresh understanding of the meaning of the Bible. The Spirit does not change the Bible to suit our purposes or to match our circumstances. Much like the rapids of a river for a person in a kayak, life is constantly presenting us with a new set of challenges, some good, some bad. In the midst of this dynamic environment, we are tempted to adjust the meaning of a passage to fit our situation, our purposes, or 
our feelings. We may even find ourselves ignoring or violating context as we desperately search for a biblical connection to our situation. It is especially easy for new believers to confuse their own feelings with the voice of the Holy Spirit. But we cannot expect the Spirit to change the meaning of the Bible to correspond with our feelings. The Spirit always agrees with himself. The Spirit does, however, work with the word to transform the life of the interpreter. The Spirit brings the meaning of the Bible to bear on the reader. Van Hooser sees three ways in which the Spirit works in the life of the Christian interpreter. The first way is the Spirit convicts us that the Bible is divinely inspired. We come to believe that the Bible is God's Word because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Second, the Spirit works in our minds to impress on us the full meaning of the Scriptures. We come to understand that a command really is a command, a promise is a promise, and so on. And we are empowered to grasp the importance of each. Thirdly, the Spirit works on our hearts so that we are able to receive the Word of God and apply it. The Spirit's ongoing work is to transform our character into the character of God. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, quote, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern or prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. End quote. Do you ever have the feeling, as you study the Bible, that while you are interpreting the text, the text is also interpreting you? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. As Van Hooser puts it, quote, the Spirit's work in interpretation is not to change the sense or the meaning of the text, but to restore us to our senses, end quote. Being restored to our senses is crucial because our spiritual maturity affects our ability to hear the voice of the Spirit, the divine author in the scriptures. What often separates an effective Christian interpreter from an ineffective one is his or her level of spiritual maturity. The zealous but immature believer is typically the one who will come up with the most off-the-wall interpretations. He or she loves the Lord and means well, but such a person is spiritually immature and it shows up in the way he or she interprets the Bible. Spiritual maturity includes, includes learning how to listen to the divine author 
by submitting to his word. Prayer and devotional reading. In addition to all we have just said about how the Spirit works through our thinking as we interpret Scripture, the Spirit often uses devotional reading and prayer to encourage spiritual growth. So when you sit down with your Bible and listen to the Lord with your heart, you are engaging in devotional reading. The focus is less on analysis and study and more on a personal, intimate time of communing with the Lord. During such times, the Spirit uses the word to renew your soul. Don't think that every time you pick up your Bible, you have to do an in-depth word study or observe 50 details in the text. Sometimes you need to be still and enter into the living presence of God where you can drink deeply of his word and respond in heartfelt worship. Eugene Peterson reminds us that all reading and study of the Bible is relational or participatory when he states, quote, the authorial character of the Holy Scriptures was established as personal in the persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because it was personal, it was also relational, which meant that all reading or listening of Holy Scripture required personal, relational, participatory reading or listening. Christian reading is participatory reading, end quote. When approaching the Bible, whether using the interpretive journey approach or devotional reading, we strongly encourage you to do so prayerfully. As Fred Kluster notes, Paul repeatedly prayed that believers would grow in their understanding through the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, you know what, I'm going to look for a reader here. I'm looking for a reader of two passages. I need someone to read Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And also, I'd like someone to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. So, who will read the first one? Philippians 1, 9 through 11, nice and loud for us. This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. With real knowledge and all discernment, Paul prayed that they would grow in understanding through the work of the Holy Spirit. Notice in Paul's prayer that the Holy Spirit grows their understanding. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Who will read Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, nice and loud? For this reason, we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all perseverance and patience joyously, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you. Again, Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit would grow believers to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice the relationship between prayer, the Spirit, and understanding in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 19, where Paul wrote that he prays that, quote, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, end quote. There really is no substitute for prayer when reading, interpreting, and applying the Bible. Communing with the divine author through prayer can only help us understand what he is saying to us through his word. In summary, when it comes to biblical interpretation, having the Holy Spirit does not mean that the Spirit is all we need since he, is, he will not make biblical interpretation automatic. He expects us to use our minds, to use valid interpretive methods, and good study helps. The Spirit does not create new meaning or provide new information, but he does enable us to accept the Bible as God's word and grasp its meaning. The Spirit will not change the Bible to fit our situation or match our circumstances, but he will work in our lives as interpreters. He restores us to our senses and helps us grow grow up spiritually so that we can hear his voice in the scriptures more clearly. In conclusion, much of grasping God's word is concerned with proper interpretive methodology, and we make no apologies for this. The methods and procedures needed to understand the Bible will always be important. There is no such thing as autopilot interpretation, where we flip a spiritual switch and God does it all for us. Nevertheless, we don't want you to leave, we don't want to leave you with the impression that grasping God's word involves nothing more than the application of a particular method. There is a real danger in over-intellectualizing what it means to hear the divine author. The interpretive task is not simply an intellectual one. It involves our entire being 
and the help of the Holy Spirit. Consequently, spiritual preparation becomes crucial for perceiving the truth of the scriptures and receiving that truth into your life. When we truly grasp God's word, we go beyond a series of steps to a dynamic interaction with the Spirit of God. We listen more intently than we even listen to our best friend. We throw off pride and laziness and study diligently and submissively, not because we love studying for study's sake, but because we love God. Rather than being a burden, studying God's word becomes an act of joyful worship as we enter into a heavenly conversation. As you study the Bible, remember to pray that the Spirit will work in your mind and heart so that you will have ears to hear what he is saying through his word. Now I have some questions for you based on this lesson. I want to see what you would say to how would you, anyone can answer, describe the Holy Spirit's ongoing work of illumination in the life of the interpreter and why is it important? What Josh was saying is that the Holy Spirit helps you draw more and more truth and protects you from your selfish interpretations and uh, he really enhances uh, through illumination uh, what is in the text. I appreciate that, Josh. Dylan. Dylan is bringing out how the Holy Spirit works by helping us to lay aside our pride, um, to convict us, to give us a, a heart that is convicted. Um, this good. Good thoughts there, Dylan. Thank you. Any other answers to the question? Right. As Jake was saying that God desires us to know him more, to grow in our relationship with him, to understand the deeper meanings. And uh, thank you for that, Jake. Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan was highlighting our devotional life our prayer and devotional life and how it's uh, important that we respond to the illumination of the Holy Spirit in that. And it's, it's, it's you know, mentioning sound team, prayer, and devotional. I do have a few videos that I'd like to, we have 15 minutes to, to uh, show you. The first video is about a false teaching of contemplative prayer. Um, uh, it's something that was out there 10 years ago. It may not be prevalent now. And John MacArthur answers a question about contemplative prayer. And uh, he explains what it is what it, what, and, and, the, and the real dangers of that. And you might in, you know, have encountered this in, in the past or maybe in the future. So I think it would be helpful it's about four minutes long. And we might also talk about and have a video on how to pray scripture if we have time. So 
if the video is ready, right, Eric is uh, mentioning that, uh, you know, Eastern mysticism, they really want you to empty your mind. But what scripture teaches is to fill your mind with scripture. Um, and we need to be careful of that. Uh, we can creep into even our own thinking. Um, and he mentioned uh, praying scripture. So let's also look at the other video. It's only about two minutes long. It's, I think, I think a good lesson in at least starting with how do I, how do I pray scripture to the Lord? Yes, praying, praying to the Lord with his own word and just basing it on that or starting there and avoiding mysticism and putting the focus on Christ um, and not seeking for other teachings that are out, outside of Christendom to help you enhance or to get higher knowledge um, is, is, is good to be warned against. So I appreciate that. Uh, we have just a few more minutes. I do have a few more questions if you have the time. Um, the inspiration of Scripture and the illumination of Scripture are two different roles fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. So how would you explain how these roles differ yet work together for a common goal? Excellent. Yes, illumination is for the authors. I'm sorry, inspiration is for the authors and illumination is for the readers. So we need to be illuminated to understand what Scripture is saying and how to apply it. So can an unbeliever comprehend the Bible? Right. Eric was saying it kind of depends on how far they are down to down the first chapter of Romans, uh, being darkened in understanding and being rebellious. It's uh, very difficult to, um, with that in mind, to be able to understand or grasp uh, the scripture. Um, good. Excellent. Yeah, Tim brings up a great point about the Ethiopian eunuch in the Bible where Philip is used by the Holy Spirit in a illumination way and also in a way that is supernatural where he's transported. But he, this is a, a real practical, um, extraordinary way of how the Holy Spirit illuminates his word. And this is a, 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 a Ethiopian eunuch that seems to be either on the verge of or maybe just became a believer. Um, so when I think about how, yes, um, people who are not spirit-indwelled cannot grasp, cannot apply, will not apply, will not respond, will not, uh, they, they, will, they will, you know, reject the word application. They will do that until or unless they are saved. And then they are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and then they are able to do that. There is no ability to apply Scripture as it's, as it's meant. I mean, they can do... There are religious unbelievers out there, a lot of them. Some of us used to be religious unbelievers before we were saved. We didn't know we weren't saved. But, um, so they can comprehend to a certain degree, but uh, correct interpretation and application um, without the Spirit is... Uh, 
just not a thing. So anyway, we're about at the end of time, so I'll pray and then you'll be dismissed. Thank you, O Lord God, for your truth, the truth of your holy word. Your word is like a hammer, like a hammer and a fire that breaks the, the rock of, our, of stony hearts. Thank you for the freedom of sin that we have, freedom from sin, I should say, and its eternal punishment in the lake of fire that we have because you have provided salvation in Christ. He atoned for our sins. He has provided, you have provided through Christ what we needed that we could not do ourselves. Thank you for providing repentance and faith or trust in Christ to be saved. We ask for your continued blessing, O Father, as we ponder and reflect on this time of study and interaction with your holy word. In Christ's name I pray, amen.